Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 133 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer with you at Oilers Now in St. Louis. Want to mention to you, uh, the Oilers, uh, and they've got home games coming up uh, Friday and Saturday, Pittsburgh and Montreal back-to-back. I think there's still a couple stragglers available ticket-wise. Anyways, at every Oilers home game for the rest of this calendar year, the team is collecting food donations for the Edmonton Food Bank. Donate non-perishable food items, and if you're at the game, uh, you can be entered to win a prize pack, uh, which uh, would take effect for the January 29th home game against the Calgary Flames. The winner of this will get an opportunity to see the Oilers uh, uh, in the morning skate. Uh, they have a private lunch in Studio 99, a tour of uh, Rogers Place, loge seating for four with a $250 food credit, and a meet and greet and signed jersey with the Oilers, Leon Drysaddle. Once again, to enter, bring a non-perishable uh, food donation to any of the remaining Oilers home games, and there's four of them in 2019. Royal Pizza, pizza past and so much more Edmonton owned and operated for 50 years. For menu and a list of their 14 Edmonton and area locations, go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The Stoffer Recommendation. Mediterranean chicken at Royal Pizza. Still making it great. All right, we bring aboard NHL insider John Shannon. Hello, John. How are you? I'm well, Bob. How are you? Uh, not bad. Uh, you know, solid performance the other night against Dallas. And, John, tonight another opportunity for the Edmonton Oilers, uh, you know, to sort of see exactly where they're at because uh, St. Louis Blues obviously leading the way in the Western Conference. Heck, I, I think you're 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 downplaying how well they played for 57 and a half minutes the other night, Bob. I I think they were more than what you described. I I was really impressed, particularly. I mean, even though the power play only went one for six, uh, I, I thought the Oilers showed a lot more uh, than we've seen, particularly on that homestand, uh, where you there were times you you wondered if they couldn't get out of their own way. The fact that they were able to at some point somehow keep that two goal lead and then and and get the victory to me was vitally important for the psyche and, and for where this team really is 
Well, uh, one of the things they did, John, is they rolled with Connor McDavid, Leon Dry, Settle, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins at center. Uh, they started the 2016 17 season that way. Uh, and then when they ran into a tough stretch in 2017-18, they went that route as well. Yeah. Uh, remember, we went into Boston and uh, rolled the three centers down the middle. And it is a different makeup and a different look to the Oilers hockey team, specifically when they split uh, McDavid and Drysaddle, but also when Nugent Hopkins is centering a different... There just seems to... And, and I know people are all concerned about, well, then the wingers aren't good enough. Well, okay, fair enough. They don't have the greatest wingers, John. But the fact of the matter is those three guys still are in a position, you know, like you can maybe like as example, St. Louis, if Drysaddle and McDavid are together, they can sit there and put Ryan O'Reilly out there against them, a Selkie Award winner with Bo Meester and Pareko all night and negate that. Well, now they've got McDavid and Drysaddle split up. Maybe it's a different challenge. I don't think there's any question about that. And I think what it does do, it, it you know, it accentuates the value of Cassian with McDavid. Uh, and one would assume it, it accentuates the wingers with with Leon too, and 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 that's where I think that's where the pressure is on this club is that if you say and you discuss top six forwards, you you have to try to make sure that Leon has the opportunity to get the puck to those guys that he's playing with to make sure that they can finish because Leon cannot do it all himself. The one thing I would say is that you noticed the other night. Uh, and and I'm, I'm not being critical of him. I just think it's a reality. He was a much different player after he scored the goal. He had much more presence. He had much more swagger after he scored that goal, and it, it made for a much better hockey club. And if he can do that again tonight in St. Louis against, I think, the heaviest hockey team in the game, uh, then that will give the Oilers a chance to win. I asked uh, Brian Lawton this question the opening hour of the show. Um, can St. Louis repeat as a Stanley Cup champion? What do you think, John? Well, I think they can. Uh, I really do. I mean, I, I, I think their goaltending is actually better because it's more consistent. Remember, Jordan Bennington didn't join the team until, what, first week in December last year. Uh, he will have a, a lot more experience. I think Jake Hallen's had a better year this year, uh, understanding what his role is. And this team is playing four-line hockey without Tarasenko in it. And Tarasenko, in theory, could be back for the playoffs. And what an asset that would be is to have a healthy 100% Tarasenko when everybody's limping into the Stanley Cup playoffs and he can be at that level. And, and, and in so many ways, and I know it's a cliche, Bob, you talk about the guy coming back from injury late in the season is better than something you would do at the trade deadline. And that's exactly what Tarasenko might do for St. Louis. John, were you a little surprised that Doug Armstrong made that trade for Falk, went out and signed Falk without already having Petrangelo done? Uh, I, I, I think it raised a lot of eyebrows, uh, particularly in the dressing room. Uh, and I, I don't think it's unfair to suggest that uh, the one guy who was surprised uh, about it was Alex Petrangelo. Uh, I think that he had hoped that his deal would get done. Uh, before now uh, so that there wouldn't be any distractions uh, down the line and into the playoffs and July 1st. Uh, but, you know, there there has been no concrete offer, as I understand it, to, to Petrangelo yet uh, by the Blues, and he's still playing a lot of minutes, doing his job as captain of the hockey club. Uh, but I think that, uh, to answer your question, I think, yeah, a lot of people were surprised about it. 
Uh, and I, I, I actually think that Petrangelo is professional enough to get over it. Uh, and in many ways, in many ways, Bob, it's comparable to what existed here in Toronto when um, uh, Kyle Dubas elected to get Nylander signed before signing either Matthews or Marner. Yeah, it's it's interesting, and um, you know, obviously they can sign him to an eight-year deal. And you wonder, Doug Armstrong has a reputation for being a little hard. Donnie Meehan can be a little hard. His group can be hard. And Petrangelo is, this is going to be interesting. There's a degree of stubbornness with these guys. This can be real interesting to watch. I mean, would he do eight times eight and a half Petrangelo's camp? And conversely, is he going to insist he's got to get $10 million a year? Maybe he can only go $7 million. So are you going to quibble over 70 versus $68 million? I don't know, but it's going to be interesting to watch. That's for sure. Well, John, I want to ask you. About it, the one thing I would say about it, Bob, uh, with Doug Armstrong is is that if you look at those years of free agency that he that he was manager of the Blues, one year he lost Bacchus and Brower for nothing, and he he vowed never to be in that position again of actually having to outbid his own guys and out and bid for his own guys, and so he's more determined than ever, which is why he traded Paul Stasty to Winnipeg at the deadline. He was he's never going to be in that position. So that's the one caveat you have to look at the Petrangelo situation and wonder before the trade deadline, are we going to start hearing rumblings that he's prepared to move, which I'd be shocked at. Is he prepared to move Petrangelo so or prepared to get him signed or get him signed? He also traded Shattenkirk. We should mention that as well, well right? I mean, I mean, at the I mean Kevin, Kevin Shattenkirk isn't in the same category as all those other guys, I don't think. Kevin Shattenkirk, he proved to be a 5-6 in Washington. And when some of us said he was a 5-6 in Washington, there were people that jumping all over us. And let's face it, he was a 5-6 and he was a flop there. He, and it did not work for him in, uh, in New York with the Rangers. But in fairness, to yeah, Shat, right. he's had a, he has had a different, uh, uh, a better start to things in Tampa Bay. Maybe being slaughtered. It's just at the time of that deal. I mean, Bacchus, you you walk on Bacchus, and he was a declining talent. Shattenkirk was seen by many to be blue line in as good as any offensive defenseman in the NHL. So, they, and, and he did not make the impact for the Capitals, as you mentioned. All right, John, let's talk about a guy that did get moved. Uh, and we're going to hit on this from about two or three different perspectives. So give me your overall assessment with Taylor Hall trade. Well, I mean, John Jacob, you know, didn't give up anything off his roster. Nick Merkley has been a disappointment since he came out of Kelowna in the Western League and has been banged up a bit. Uh, Kevin Ball's one of those guys, I think they're crossing their fingers in New Jersey that he can do the job. Um, at the same time, uh, you have a new owner, in Arizona who wants to make a splash, who thinks that that is a hockey market, and if you can put a championship or put a long playoff run in in Arizona, then you have a chance. So it was worth it was worth the risk of one definite first-round pick and a conditional first-round pick based on success. If they get them signed and they get to uh, the second round of the playoffs, it will be well worth, in my mind, what, the, uh, what John Shakey gave up for him. Do you think Tanner Hall will resign in Arizona? Uh, I, in my heart of hearts, I bet in the end he does, because I think that it's a great place to live. I think when you look at all of the avenues that will he will have to have in his favor, including a team that's going to win for more than one year, 
uh, including the tax base. It's not tax-free, but the tax rate's low in Arizona. There are a lot of positives for someone who uh, would in, can enjoy the weather and, and, and enjoy a, a group of players that is, I mean, and Rick Tockett, who I think have a chance to win. John, it would not surprise me if Arizona ended up offering on an eight-year extension eighty-eight to ninety-six million dollars to Taylor Hall. That is going to be tough for any player to say no to. I could see them going that high. Well, uh, it's interesting, you know, because we all know that John is the king of analytics, and he will he will be breaking down Taylor's every shift, every shot, every pass between now and the end of the regular season to justify what the number is going to be and how Taylor Hall makes his teammates better. Uh, and what I do think is that Chica will give give him a number that he th- he feels is fair. That's an awful lot of money for a guy who has been, and, and don't get mad at me, a little injury-prone recently. That's, and he's, had one, he's had one great year, great year, when he won the Hart Trophy. Uh, doesn't say he doesn't have the potential. We all know he has the potential. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what Chaika and, and how he's able to move the numbers and make it make sure that he's giving Taylor Hall the best offer he can. John, the fact that Arizona in the last calendar year has added both Phil Kessel and Taylor Hall, does this validate that revenue sharing works for the NHL? <laughs> Don't ask the other owners. <laughs> because I'm sure there are other owners saying, why are we allowing you know, all, all of our money to bid against ourselves? Um, but, I, I mean, I, I think when you see what's happened in Arizona, there are two people uh, sitting on uh, uh, Avenue of the Americas in New York City saying, you see, the system works. Uh, it, it's, a, uh, it's a system that allows markets that aren't as hockey-crazed as Edmonton or Toronto or Montreal to compete at a level because there is that revenue sharing. So in the end, the answer is absolutely revenue sharing works for most teams, and that's why we're not seeing a lot of teams have the debt that we used to to once see even way back in the 90s, Bob. All right. Uh, You brought up uh, tax, uh, the taxable benefits that players would incur playing in Arizona. Same situation occurs in the state of Florida. And, uh, you know, I know we had Brian on uh, about an, an hour ago, and I, I gave him a rough estimate on sort of the amount that's been allocated Arizona's way over the last 15 years since the 0405 lockout. And I said, you know, do you think they've gotten, I think I said, do you think they've gotten $150 million over the last 12 to 15 years? And you could probably bet, you know, that maybe that's the case. I don't know what the exact number is, but so they're getting money, but they also benefit from being in a marketplace, John, where there's a different tax rate in the state of Arizona or a different tax rate in the state of Florida. Is this something that needs to be factored in in future CBAs, do you think? Is that even is that even a viable option in terms of the formula? Uh, because, you know, you have Canadian teams that are contributing to revenue sharing, Canadian dollars at this time because of the TV deal, uh, you know, helping drive up valuation, and you ha- have teams receiving money in revenue sharing that have got advantages in procurement of players. I'm not talking weather. I'm just talking flat tax. I'd like to get your thoughts right. on that. Well, uh, but it's not as simple as that. And by the way, it's not just Florida. Arizona has, I think it's, or Arizona's at 2.5%, I believe. Um, uh, Texas has zero state tax. Tennessee has zero state tax. 
And when the new Seattle team comes, they have zero state tax as well. But, you know, I can go to a hockey game in Nashville for a heck of a lot cheaper than I can go to a game in most Canadian cities. So the revenue base, sure, the tax base is, is better in those states, but the revenue base and how much, how much a gate is in the Canadian cities is much higher. So where, where Bob, do you draw the line? Where, is it just taxes? Is it the opportunity for revenue generation? I mean, I, the New York Rangers and the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens generate a lot more corporate dollars than the St. Louis Blues and even the Vegas Golden Knights and even the Los Angeles Kings. Do we penalize them? No. Every, every team there at a certain point has advantages. Every, point has, every team has disadvantages. And that's why revenue sharing becomes so important to create some level of balance. John, of all of our guests, and uh, no disrespect intended to Brian Burke or Brian Lawton, but you've worked, well, you know, I guess Brian's worked for the league, uh, Brian Burke. You've worked for the league as well. Um, I, I've sensed that attendance, obviously attendance is down at Edmonton this year. That's a given. I think there's only been three sellouts this year. Uh, you know, we're on a good run this uh, next two weeks here coming up. Uh, should be close to sellout every night for the games. But this is a different generation of fans. And there's a thing called a secondary market. Is the league a little concerned about this moving forward? I don't know. Actually, you know, if you, uh, and I know that it's a press release, the league actually announced earlier in the week that ticket sales are up 2% across the league. Um, okay. not, you're right, not at, not at Edmonton, but they're saying ticket prices are up uh, across the league. We know they're up in Florida, but that's a, that's a relative market. It's, we know they're up in Arizona, but that's relative, basically, because they have lots of tickets to still sell. So there are, there are some positives going on uh, across the league, uh, maybe not in Edmonton. Uh, but uh, you, you know, secondary secondary ticket sales are a fact of life, and so what you're better off to do is partner with them rather than fight them. And that's what the league, in, in fact, has done over the years. Whether it's with StubHub or whether it's uh, with other companies that actually offer the same process, and that to me is what it has to happen in order for everybody to uh, to thrive and uh, through this whole thing. John, great stuff as always. We appreciate your time, and we'll hook up uh, Monday next week. Uh, Bob, I will see you in Edmonton Friday night. Thank you for the warning. (laughs) 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 252 in Edmonton. This is Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. 152 in Edmonton. Let's go to List Day in Oilers history. Brought to you by New West Travel. Join Oilers now on a great road trip to see the Oilers play the Hawks in Chicago. Reach out to New West Travel and go online at newwesttravel.com. Here's Brendan Escott. All right, Bob, back in 2001, Sean Bates scores twice for Peter Laviolette's Islanders in a 4-1 win over the Oilers. Jason Chimera gets Edmonton's goal against Chris Osgood. Wow. That's uh, that's going back the back in the Oilers missed the playoffs in two thousand one two thousand two. The team finished second in the league in goals against that year. Uh, so it will be the uh, Edmonton Oilers and the St. Louis Blues again. Jake Allen just his second start at home uh, so far this season. He's been getting a lot of road starts. He's actually got really good numbers on the year. Allen's 5-2-2, and two, a 2.33 goals against average, 925 save percentage. But last season, 
At home, he went 8-9-2 with a 3.65 goals against average and an 8.78 save percentage. He'll oppose Miko Koskinen, who's 12-5-2 with 2.65 goals against average and a 9.17 save percentage. Connor McDavid up front with Nygaard and Cassian will be dry settled with Neil and Gagne. Uh, RNH with Karen Chason and Haas with Shan and Archibald. On defense, Clefbaum and Larson. Uh, Clefbaum playing 25-45 per game. Darnell Nurse with Ethan Bear. And Chris Russell uh, with Caleb Jones. For St. Louis, the, their top line, Braden Shen with uh, Jaden Schwartz, who's been an Oilers killer in his career, and Jordan Cairo, a fleet-footed uh Winger that uh, was part of Canada's World Junior Program. Ryan O'Reilly won the Selkie last year, 56.5% in the face-off circle, plays 20-41 per game. He had 79 points in 82 games last year. He'll center Perron and Zach Sanford. Uh, Petrangelo and Falk, and then the Edmonton area combo of Jay Bomeister out of the Southside Athletic Club and Colton Pareko out of St. Albert. Uh, that's the shutdown pairing. Uh, the Blues, who their defensive numbers are excellent. Six and goals against, seven and penalty kill, 10th and shots against, 9th in the face-off circle. They'll take on the Edmonton Oilers, who still have the number one ranked power play in the NHL, 31.5%. All right, special thanks to all of you who took time to Texas on our Ashley Fine Floors text line. Uh, I should be in studio tomorrow. Uh, if uh, if everything takes hold, uh, then I'm going to get a little uh, procedure done tomorrow morning. So hopefully we'll be okay. If not, Brendan's going to have some terrific guests on tomorrow's show, including Brian Burke, presented by Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction service, electrical prefabrication, and solar. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by 6.30 Chet Afternoons with Jalen Nye, Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, Jack Michaels, and myself uh, with the face-off show beginning at 5 o'clock Edmonton time tonight. So long, everybody, for now, from St. Louis, Missouri. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.